This is the Hoove It or Lose It podcast, hosted by Pastor Andy Hoover. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, I have never been one to title, uh, to give a title to my messages. I don't know why, I just never have. I don't want you to think I just get up here and randomly talk. Um, I have a plan. Uh, Lord and I have talked about it and uh, have a direction, but for whatever reason, I've just never titled the message. In fact, uh, most weeks where I preach, uh, I'll be walking through the office on Monday and the folks that are in charge of taking the video of the message and posting it online on our website will stop me and say, Pastor, what is the title of your message? And then I have to scramble and come up with something. So this morning, uh, I'm going to get out ahead of it. You're welcome. Um, I'm going to get out ahead of it this morning, and we are going to title this message, Fearless. What does it look like for you and I to live out our faith without fear? I'm coming this morning from the first chapter. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open that uh, with me to the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah. Uh, it's going to be on the screens uh, behind us, but if you have your Bible, uh, join with me in the first chapter of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is found, let me give you just some background here. Uh, Jeremiah is found in the Old Testament of the Bible. It's known as one of the major prophets. Now, the Bible's broken down into some categories, and it's known as one of the major prophets. The term major really only referring to its length. Uh, the length of the, the content, and some would argue also, although this isn't widely accepted, some would argue the broadness of the topics uh, also reflects the term major. Uh, there are uh, five uh, major prophets, uh, and then as opposed to the 12 minor prophets, uh, which are, of course, shorter in length uh, in, in, in pages and, and content. And some would also argue, again, although not widely accepted, that um, they're more narrowly focused, uh, which is why they call them minor prophets. So if you've studied scripture at any level, then you're probably familiar with some of the names of the prophets and uh, their specific role, the 12 minor prophets that are found in scripture, uh, Hosea, Amos, Micah, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Joel, and Jonah. Uh, those would be the 12 minor prophets. And then, of course, the five major prophets uh, would be Isaiah, Jeremiah, which we're going to be in today, Ezekiel, Daniel, and everyone's favorite, Lamentations. Now, the role of a prophet, uh, and we've talked about this before in this context, the role of a prophet uh, is, uh, at its basic level, was in essence to serve as a mouthpiece for God, right? So God would give the message, and then the prophet would in turn share that message with the people. Uh, prophets generally fell, and we talked about this before, but I just want to remind you, into one of two categories. Uh, category one would be, hey, everybody, God says you're doing great, Thumbs up. That was category one for a prophet. Uh, category two for a prophet uh, was, hey, everybody, God said things aren't going so well. And if you don't shape up, he's going to wipe you off the face of the planet. So there's two categories of, of prophets. Uh, Jeremiah falls into this strange hybrid, honestly, between the two in that uh, as we'll discover in verse 10 of chapter 1, he is called to pluck up, break down, destroy, overthrow, and 
build up and plant. It's a very strange hybrid. And I want to suggest to you this morning that in the first 10 or so verses of Jeremiah's writing, we see a glimpse of what I want to suggest to you are are some key ingredients to living our lives, living and walking out our faith with Jesus Christ in a way that is fearless. Pray with me. God, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to interact with your word. God, may your word bring us to life. God, may your word inspire us. God, may your word motivate us. God, may we walk out of this place different than when we walked in. God, not because of my words, but because of the holiness and the perfection of your scripture. God, we love you, and God, we praise you. Amen. All right, so we're in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Allow me to read this to you. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests who were at Anathoth, in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, until the exile of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Let's be honest, how many of you zoned out when I started reading that? A couple of you. I appreciate your honesty. I almost fell asleep. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, when we get to sections of Scripture, like these first three verses of Jeremiah chapter 1, that we, that we will admit that we sometimes allow our eyes to skim over the passage. Right? We, we sometimes allow our eyes to kind of uh, skim over, and some of us uh, were honest and admitted that we even zoned out a little bit as I was reading that. You know, we come to those parts, and we view those parts of Scripture kind of like an instruction manual. I mean, there are very few of us here this morning that absolutely love to read the instruction manual. You know, you just get a new television. A couple of you do, I know. Tucker, you're an instruction guy, aren't you? I could tell that. I think I've heard that about you. But, you know, when we get a new television, right, or we get a new power tool, we can read the instruction manual, or we can just kind of get into the meat of it. Let's just get into the meat of it and just kind of figure out what's going on. And, you know, when we, you know, we view passages like Jeremiah 1 through 3, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, kind of like we view the genealogies in Genesis or in Matthew. Anybody read the Bible through in a year except that part? you're like, oh, look, Matthew 2. <laughs> and you just kind of whoop, and you just flip the page, right? That's how we view these particular passages. And we come upon these verses, and in an effort, listen, church, in an effort to get to the good stuff, in an effort to get to the good stuff, in an effort to get to the meat, what we believe to be the meat of the passage, we blow by verses like Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And we treat these passages like they're a preface. We treat these passages like they're a prelude to the actual body of work that God did in Jeremiah's life. Okay, okay, I know that Jeremiah was the son of so-and-so and and he lived in so-and-so, but what did he really do? Can I just tell you this morning that when God's involved in the equation... There is no preface. Can I just tell you this morning that when God's involved in the equation, there is no prelude. There's no no part. God doesn't view any part of your life as a ramp up to when he can actually start using you. 
Even as God is preparing us, church, he is using us. God has strategically placed Jeremiah in this exact moment in history. He allowed him to be born to that father in that town, in that land, during the reign of that king, that he might bring glory to God. And listen to me, church, he has done the same for you. It is strategic. He's not waiting, young people, he and we have, he's not waiting for you to graduate high school so that he can use you. He's not waiting for you to graduate college and finally get your degree so that he can start using you. He's not waiting for you to get a better job so that he can start using you. He's not waiting for you to find your mate so that he can start using you. He's not waiting for you to have kids so he can start using you. He's not waiting for you to get that promotion at work so he can finally start using you. God is able to use you right now. There is no part of your life, listen to this this morning, there is no part of your life that God is scratching his head and wondering out loud, well, how am I going to use this? Well, what am I supposed to do now? God's not scrambling, right? He's not trying to figure out how to use where you live or where you work or where you go to school for his glory. And before we go any further, guys, we need to be reminded first and foremost that living a life of fearlessness, living a life of fearlessness begins with the recognition that God is all powerful and he hasn't made any mistakes with where he has placed you or the circumstances that you find yourself in currently. Jeremiah was exactly where and when God needed him to be. And so were you and I. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4 says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, it's another one of those verses that we tend to skip over in an effort to actually get to what God is saying. And to get to what God is actually going to be doing. We view those, uh, the, these verses as again as, as a prelude. Okay, well, God's getting ready to say something, but what's he getting ready to say? Listen, right here in this verse, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, it's very clear. There is a crucial ingredient to living fearlessly. Jeremiah had a recognition, listen to this, he had a recognition of the voice of God. He said, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, that's a pretty definitive statement. I mean, let's think about our lives for a moment. When's the last time that I said the word of the Lord came to me saying? When was I definitive? I mean, there was no doubt in Jeremiah's mind, church, that he was receiving a word from God. And that sounds amazing, right? I mean, what if, what if you and I could definitively, without a shadow of a doubt, recognize the voice of God in our lives? What if we did not have to play the guessing game? You know what I'm talking about, right? You've played the guessing game before. You've been there. Is that God speaking to me? Or is that me speaking to me because I want that to be God speaking to me? Or is that the devil wanting me to think that it's God? Or maybe it's really God speaking, but out of fear, I'm not going to do anything. But isn't that exactly what the devil would want me to do? So maybe I should just do exactly the opposite of what my first reaction is, and then do the opposite of that just to double back on the devil so that in the end, I'll be doing exactly what God wants me to do. 
Maybe. I mean, wouldn't it be great? I mean, isn't that how we live our lives sometimes? It's just, it's just out there and we're not really sure what God's speaking or if it's God speaking. No wonder we walk around with fear and timidity. I mean, wouldn't it be great if God spoke to us and his messages came to us? I was thinking about this this week. Wouldn't it be great if God's messages came to us in the form of certified mail? You know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever received certified mail? I mean, there's no question. There's no question about who it goes to or whether or not the message was delivered when it's certified mail. You can track certified mail, right? And you know the exact moment that it was received because the recipient of the letter had to provide a signature stating that the letter was received. What if we had to exchange? I mean, how much simpler would it be if we had to exchange a signature for a fresh word from the Lord? Wouldn't that be great? God, of course, doesn't send us certified mail, but he does give us a model church. He gives us a model that makes living fearlessly far easier. He maps this out in the book of John chapter 10. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs over some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. A stranger, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow, but they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. Friends, we can live fearlessly when we know the voice of God. You know the Father's voice. When you know the Father's voice, you move with confidence, right? When you know the Father's voice, you move with boldness. When you move, when you know the Father's voice, you don't have to tiptoe into a situation with uncertainty. When you know the Father's voice, it becomes clear what and when you have been called. And you begin to move, not with timidity, not with faint-heartedness, but you move with boldness, confidence, and assurity because this is the moment that God has called you to. This is exactly the thing that God has called you to. And there is no doubt in your mind. And that happens, that happens when we know the Father's voice. Jeremiah was confident that the word he was receiving was from God because he knew the Father's voice. And so we ask ourselves this question this morning, how well do I know the Father's voice? We know the Father's voice, of course, because we spend time with him. We know the Father's voice because we're choosing to become students of the Word. We know the Father's voice because we're developing a prayer life that's not just about us listing our needs, but it's about us listening and learning and, 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 and understanding the promptings of the Holy Spirit through prayer. Fearless living, fearless living is a result of an intimate relationship with the Father. The word of the Lord that Jeremiah receives as he maps it out in verses one through three and tells us who he is and where he's coming from. And then he says it in verse four, the word of the Lord came to me saying that word of the Lord is then mapped out for us in verses five through 10. 
this is what it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Today is my son Jacob's 18th birthday. Today's, he's not here. You don't need to clap. He's actually homesick today, pray for him. But today is his 18th birthday, September 8th, 2001. And if today is my son Jacob Hoover's 18th birthday, then that also means that about 18 years and roughly nine months ago, I had my first panic attack. I remember it very vividly. Uh, my wife and I were standing here in the lobby, right out there by that post, when she told me that we were going to be expecting our first child. And I'll tell you, church, uh, I was overwhelmed with fear. I was overwhelmed with fear for the knowledge that I was about to become responsible, the sole provider of another human. I was going to be responsible for their clothing and shelter and food and water, and it was overwhelming to me. I was not, let's just say I was not prepared for that news. So I remember processing all of this and my mind kind of swirling around and we talked and I remember crying and being out here and we were talking about it. And I took a walk to just kind of process and think through and I took a walk down the hallway and I ended up upstairs in our student center. And at the time in our student center, we had a magazine rack, right? When that was a thing. We had a magazine rack and we had all these different magazines for students to pick up and look through like Christian magazines and resources. And I was the one that was, was responsible for filling this magazine rack. And so I was always kind of on the lookout for things that didn't belong in the magazine rack. Often things would just appear. That's how it happens at church. You're walking past, you see a bulletin board. You're like, people are like, oh, I'll just stick this here. And they stick it there and you're like, no, you won't. And we take it down. And I remember walking past that magazine rack and my eye catching something that I knew because I was solely responsible to make sure that the proper things were in that magazine rack. I remember my eye catching something that shouldn't be there. And I'm in the midst of processing and my mind is swirling with uncertainty and fear and confusion and, and, and just freaking out, to be honest with you. And my eye caught this piece of paper and I grabbed the piece of paper almost by second nature. I grabbed it and I ripped it down. And as I started to throw it in the trash, my eyes fell upon the words of the paper. It's now in this frame. And as my mind was swirling with uncertainty and swirling with fear, finding out that I was about to be a new father, unsure of how to handle this situation, I read these words on this paper as I was preparing to throw it away, it said this, you are not here by chance, but by God's choosing. You were deliberately planned, specifically gifted. He loved you from the very beginning without condition or reservation. The designer of the universe has lovingly positioned you here on this earth at this particular time in history to fulfill his special purposes. 
Angels bow down to this king who looks past them to adore you. Absolutely amazing, incredibly humbling. Heaven's decorations are ready. Let the celebration begin. And what I'd like to tell you that I've always parented without fear, I cannot. But I will tell you that it was at that moment as my mind was racked with confusion and fear that I was reminded that God himself is the author of life and that he and he alone was responsible for knitting my son together. He knew Jacob before we knew Jacob, and he consecrated and appointed him as his own long before his mother and I ever laid eyes on him. And church, listen to me. That is true for you and I as well. You are not here by chance. You are not here by chance. You are here by God's choosing. You were deliberately planned. You were specifically gifted. He has loved you from the very beginning without condition or reservation. He has lovingly positioned you on this earth at this particular moment in history. He adores you. You are absolutely amazing. And when we accept the fact that God is indeed the creator and author of our lives, we begin to learn what it looks like to walk out and to live out a life of fearlessness. We can live fearlessly because we know, church, that we are not here by accident. We walk with our head held high because this is where we are supposed to be. We learn what it looks like to live fearlessly because we know that we're not alone. We know that God walks with us to guide us and to direct us and to reveal to us the plan that he has mapped out for our lives. He goes on in verses 6 through 8. He says, Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go, and all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. How many of you know that God sees right through our excuses? Amen? God sees right through our excuses, and that's really what's going on here in this passage of uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 6 and 8. God has is, God is seen right through Jeremiah's excuses. God, I, I don't know how to speak. I'm too young. Or, or we might say, God, I don't know how to witness to my neighbor. I don't really have any training. We might say, God, I don't know how to spiritually shepherd my children. I'm, I'm barely hanging on myself. God, I don't know how to pray over my spouse. I'm, I'm not really good with words. God, I don't possibly have time to serve. I've already got a busy schedule. What would I possibly cut out of my life in order to serve you more? Listen, God answers our excuses in the same way that he answers Jeremiah's excuses. He says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will go with you to deliver you. Friends, we don't journey alone. We can witness with boldness, church, because God is with us. We can lean, we can learn to spiritually shepherd our kids and to become the spiritual leaders of our home. Listen, not because we're nailing it all the time, not because we're perfect, but because we know God goes before us and God comes after us and God comes on our left and he comes on our right and he hems us in and he reveals to us how we should be doing those things. Stop with the excuses. 
Stop with the excuses and learn to walk with confidence in the fullness of the destiny that God has for you. He then says in verses 9 and 10, Then the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build and to plant. These are some of the most powerful verses in this section because it's here that we see, in essence, God deputizing Jeremiah, right? I mean, he's in essence deputizing him. He's making clear that from this point forward, Jeremiah was to be a representative of God and God alone. When our words, God, God says to Jeremiah, listen, your words are to be my words. Listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Your words are to be my words, nothing more and nothing less. What? Your words are to be my words, God says, nothing more and nothing less. Listen, church, our words, our words are to be God's words. Nothing more, nothing less. Very few heads are shaking. Listen, our words are to be God's words nothing more and nothing less. Amen? Can I just tell you this morning something you already know and that that's very difficult to live out in our lives day to day. That our words would be God's words. But listen, church, when our words are God's words, nothing more and nothing less, we're suddenly deputized, we're suddenly commissioned with a greater sense of confidence because they're not my words. They're not my opinions. It's God's word. And I have some opinions, but I'm not going to say them. Amen? Because that's not God's word. I have some thoughts. I have a plan of action. I have a theory about you, 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 and you. But I'm not going to say it. Why? Because that's not God's word. I've been deputized as a representative of God himself. And I will say God's words, nothing more and nothing less. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, I need God to touch my mouth. Look back at your neighbor and say, I need God to touch your mouth. Thanks for listening to the Hoove It or Lose It podcast. For more information or resources, visit www.hooveitorloseit.com or on Facebook at Hoove It or Lose It.